photo. Nope. <laughs> Keep it going, baby. Hello, welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Episode 2, Pizza Girl. Jean Kyung Frazier. Yes? Got a nod of approval. This is an audio podcast. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm your man, Steve Harvey. It's time to play Fast Money. Today's crime, impersonation. Stop trying... No. I've never... Stop, stop trying to guess, predict, whatever undermine my crime you'll never be able to do it and if you guessed it i would just change it at the end anyway so don't do it <laughs> cut it out i thought that the crime might be thematically relevant nope it's not <laughs> today's crime murdering joey for it's taking my bit it does <laughs> it does feel that one feels on topic though that feels on brand but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're here mm-hmm. to talk about pizza girl book two of our processing pain the way we the ways we've hurt people and how we've been hurt chunk I wish that we didn't commit to that as an as a as a title. We don't have to call as a it description that. for that because it's like feels too heavy. It's pretty heavy. The first book was extremely heavy, and this is pretty heavy. Th- this book is surprisingly heavy, given the art. cover art. Yeah, yeah, which uh, describe the cover art. So the the cover art. And she actually like I, I scrolled through the acknowledgments and like sometimes they're like really fun. Sometimes they're just like this one, which is more like this, this one particularly. I actually really liked because I, I read the acknowledgments too, and I really liked it. I thought it was sweet. Jean talks about how like this is like her favorite artist and like this is the first book he ever did and she thought it was really cool but it's like this kind of neon soaked sort of looks like an 80s movie where a big slice of pizza dripping cheese and pickles and pepperoni and there's a car and there's just like a face that's like the la skyline and there's a palm tree and checkerboards for some reason yeah it's, it's very much like an airbrushed shirt that you would buy on the boardwalk in yeah. venice or uh point pleasant new jersey or anywhere in between no it's got like serious boardwalk vibes yeah you're not gonna buy it in ames iowa probably you might maybe not though but bob what's pizza girl about it is about a 18 year old woman who is a pizza delivery girl and she's pregnant yeah and her life changes forever when a middle-aged woman calls to order pizza with pickles on it and she goes there and falls in love with this woman yeah falls in love is a interesting way to 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 think of it i think she falls in love with the idea of this woman or the idea of another life or right she's looking for a escape route uh she's looking for someone who is would radically change her life uh from what where she is right now yeah because where she is right now she's working she's a high school graduate ostensibly um, who does not know what she wants to do with her future and is working a presumably minimal minimum wage job is pregnant as mentioned and living at her mom's house with her boyfriend her dad died she's not doing well with that what's interesting about this book i think especially compared to or in similar similarity to death in her hands from last episode they're not unreliable narrators but because we're in their head their actions seem far more justified but like a lot of what she's doing here is like wildly destructive and like irresponsible it feels less so because we're in her head yeah, I read some uh, reviews of this book on, um, not like uh, in The Guardian or anything like that, but like, uh, just like, you know, the type well, of reviews. I don't want to hear it. The type of reviews that you see on, on Goodreads and things. And yeah. a lot of the people who were like, two stars, one star, couldn't finish. It, like, a lot of what they were saying was, unlikable narrator, I'm with her to a certain point, and I feel, I feel for her, but I can't support the danger that she's uh, uh, putting her unborn child through and and stuff like that, which is like an interesting way 
to have to read a book, right? Like this idea that you have to find the main character moral. You have, you have to find right. them someone who uh, has not like transgressed whatever your line of judgment from likable to not likable is. Well, because I think there's something that I watch movies sometimes and I wish there was no conflict. I'm like, this would just be like a fun party movie. Like, let's have everybody just have a good time. And like, well, that's not storytelling. It's, there's no yeah. conflict. There's no drama. You need something there. So I guess it's interesting to think that these people are like, I want my character to be wronged, not be the one doing the wrongs or something. Or like the wrongs that I feel are justifiable as opposed to like, while she's pregnant, drinking like multiple cases of beer and liquor and drinking and driving and all this irresponsible shit. And like things like ignoring her mom and her boyfriend who like, for all intents and purposes, seem like maybe too much so, like the best support system she could possibly have in the situation. Yeah. The thing that interests me about this and the reason why I think that those people, the the Goodreads people who are who like can't get into a book with an unlikable narrator, the reason why I think those people can basically fuck off is because like I found this character incredibly relatable, even though I'm 20 years older than she is. Yeah, your mom age. Um, I'm, well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I have never been pregnant. Um, there's, there's like a bunch of stuff, but like the, her right. specific circumstances are not relatable, but the way that she processes them and this idea of like being self-destructive and feeling like you're in prison, imprisoned by some of your own decisions, imprisoned by people who love you too much and you feel like, uh, smothered. Yeah. Um, like that, all, that's all like super real. Yeah. The world has enough people judging these kinds of characters and like the reality is that these kinds of characters need a kind of empathy both in in fiction and in the real world like they they don't need to be loved so much as they need to be seen and acknowledged like their circumstances the idea of dismissing a character because they're unlikable is bonkers to me especially a character like this that is has so many reasons to root for her and so many reasons to want her to get through it. It's not like Don Draper or Walter White or something like that. Right. Like, like those are like unlikable characters that have entered the mainstream and been lionized because they're like super badass or because they Yeah, there's a whole book about like difficult men. Like Alan Sepinwall wrote about them and Soprano Tony Soprano, like we idolize these people who are like irredeemable in every way. Yeah. Like I, I think if you look at the book from a feminist perspective the way people read or internalize the actions of the characters in this book in a way that they might not for Walter White or Don Draper comes because of like the expectations that we have of women to behave a certain way, to not fuck up in the way that we allow men to fuck up, or because she's given this immense responsibility of growing this thing inside of her body that she might not even really want. Like her boyfriend in the, in the book, Billy is great. Yeah. He's he seems like a wonderful person that is trying his best and and loves her and part of the reason why we're angry at her is because she doesn't appreciate that enough. Right. He's a baseball player, he's a high school baseball player who apparently seems to have the talent to get a full ride to a college based on athletics, but we find out that he has a full ride to USC based on academics. You know, it just seems like he is and he is described by the narrator and by sort of indirectly by the mom as like America. The mom was so overjoyed when her 18 year old daughter said she was pregnant because like that meant this guy was going to stick around. And for an immigrant to America, like a a first generation immigrant to see her daughter seemingly to a certain extent, like locked down 
this like all American boy. I can't imagine anything better. Like she is now part of America. I don't know if he's described as good looking, but like you picture like just like a handsome dude who's like smart and talented and like will do anything to be a good dad and like drops out of USC before he even goes to like stay home and take care of her. And is like great with the mom. And like, there's a reason why he's perfect to a fault, right? Because it's like, if there was any mark against him, it would be easy to kind of be like, well, yeah, I don't like him because of that or whatever. But like, I think he's bulletproof for a reason, probably. Yeah, I think it's framed so that we accept that he is sacrificing all of this stuff almost to complicate our relationships with the with the narrator who until the very end of the book doesn't have a name her she she's exclusively goes by pizza girl which is interesting because it's all both her name and this nickname are only via the the woman she falls in love with right nobody else calls her pizza girl right nobody else calls her anything really right yes so, but but we frame Billy in the things that he has given up to be to be with her and yeah. to raise this child. Uh, he's given up like what what seems like a really bright future, again because we accept this idea of men sacrificing their futures for children as being this like great tragedy, noble. This, this, yeah. this noble trauma that this guy is willing to go through, and oh my god, he's such a good guy. But then like we don't even really consider, and I think this is on on. Jean Kyung Fraser's part. Uh, uh, she, I think she's doing this on purpose. We, we don't. We don't even consider the like immense loss of potential for the narrator. A society just assumes, like, of course you would stop everything. Like, yeah, being a mom is the most important thing you could possibly do. Right. Yeah. Even if you're 18. Yeah. Even even though we've like ascribed a certain amount of shame to that. Yeah. And she has to deal with some of that throughout the book. But, like, we, we, we don't look at what she's doing as sacrifice, whereas we look at what Billy's doing as, sac- as sacrifice because it's, like, framed in this labor position, right? So this is something that, like, uh, I think is sort of important for this book is to think of it from a uh, quote-unquote Marxist perspective, uh, Marxism being the examination of material conditions of the text and how they influence, how those material conditions influence the reality of that world. There are a couple of different things, I think, that influence that with regards to our main character, right? Number one is that uh, the person that the main character desires mostly refers to her exclusively as Pizza Girl, which is something that we've we just mentioned. But that's like cute, kind of like it's like it's it's almost like you know referring to the girl as her last name and like right. kind of a chummy, yeah. like hey Pizza Girl, what are, what's going on with you? But it also uses labor to define her humanity, right? Like she is her job, sure, and it never it never pushes their relationship beyond transactional, right? Pizza Girl brings her a pizza. Jenny Hauser? Yeah. Is that her name? Yep. Is there a famous person named Jenny Halzer? I don't know. I think there I think there is. I'll look that up. But so so they're because their relationship is transactional, like Pizza Girl comes when Jenny calls. Jenny knows her exclusively as Pizza Girl. Like she's defined through her her labor, which is this uh, pizza delivery person is something that we don't generally think of as respectable in modern society. Now the other major uh definition of our narrator is motherhood um which is like obviously like the great unpaid labor of our time Mm -hmm. and the way that like a quote-unquote job defines the respectability for men so too does motherhood for women no matter how like that's archaic but i think to a certain degree it's true because shitheads make it true right and the narrator feels incredibly trapped in both of these worlds both in the the world of of uh that transactional labor with jenny hauser and the non-transactional but like 
unpaid labor world of motherhood. Well, she's defined by two things that she doesn't want to be defined by. Yes, exactly. And she just wants to run away. She wants to break the chains of that um, pizza girl relationship with Jenny because she wants to be much more with Jenny. She wants to be a mother to his child. That's what's interesting is that she wants to mother Jenny's kid and not her own kid. It feels like, I mean, one of the biggest conflicts in this book, which isn't in the present even though it is in the present but it's between her and her dead father right Mm -hmm, because he was a drunk and he was i think it's hard to say whether he was a good or a bad dad no he's a he's a bad dad bad dad it does to a certain extent feel like the thing she wants to be most in this world is her dad yeah or or specifically a man who is able to have no nothing asked of him right which like i think again goes a little bit back to billy and and that relationship right which is this idea that like in some ways the coolest thing in the world is the bad dad Right? Yeah. Like the dad who's just like, fuck it. Like, let's go to Disney World while I'm drunk driving. And I'm taking you out of school to go to Disney yeah, World. Yeah, and it's like, that like sounds fun. Yeah, until he falls asleep on the freeway. Yeah, it's it sounds fun until he's dead. Yeah. Until he's mm-hmm. made everyone around him miserable. The least cool person is the person that follows rules. The person that, like, makes you follow rules. The parent that makes you eat your vegetables is the parent that, when you're a kid, you're like, I hate you. And the parent that is drunk and takes you to Disney World is the parent that you love. And then you're 35 and you go, oh, shit, I had it wrong the whole time. It should have been the other way around. There is a Jenny Halsey, but she's a fictional character from The Mummy, the Tom Cruise Mummy in the Dark Universe. Oh, yeah, that that must have been what I was thinking Played by Annabelle Wallace. That's the closest I can come to. That's the one. That's what I was thinking. I know that the the mummy lives rent-free in your head, right? Yeah, I was thinking of Jenny Halsey, the character played by someone in the Tom Cruise version of The Mummy. Yeah. There's not a day that goes by where you don't mention The Mummy in one way or another. I was afraid that it was going to be like, oh, yeah, Jenny Halsey, she's this person from this very specific fetish pornography that you've just revealed. (laughs) The pickle fetish. Yeah, let's talk pickles on pizza. What do you think about that? So the reason why I guess she keeps ordering... So we're in this... The head of this pizza girl. Jenny is made to seem to be the greatest, like the most laudable, like the envy, the idyllic. But when we first are introduced to her, what's enviable is that she's got a long-ass ponytail. Hell yeah. But she seems like... well, she And she seems like an okay mom at first... But she's kind of a mess. She's frazzled. We find out she's not a good mom. She's not really. Wait, wait, wait. I, I walk that back. Why? But I don't. What's the evidence that she's not a good mom? She leaves her son to go see a movie. Yeah, you got to do that sometimes. I guess. I think. Well, she thinks that she's a bad mom. Yeah. Okay. Which I think is the case of a lot of parents, right? Sure. A, a, a lot of parents who are being driven crazy by their kids think that they're bad parents. Um, because they've been guilted into thinking that they're bad parents because they think that they should have to do everything. But that's, you know. So there's something interesting that she's presented as kind of a frazzled lead in a sitcom, like a Zoe Deschanel type almost, where she's like, I can't get anything right, but like yeah. I'm still adorkable or whatever, right? Again, I think it, there could have been a lot of, because it feels like Pizza Girl admires or envies or something, a lot of the people she delivers pizza to, or at least a, a few. Yeah, sure. There's like the the hot couple that's always boning that we find out later he's beating the shit out of her and like broke her arm and like made her vomit blood. It's just like, oh, things aren't what they seem. But it seems like there's a, a bunch of different ways that this could have gone where she could have fallen head over heels because she wanted an escape from her current life, right? She goes to Jenny's house because she calls and this woman's like, I need a pizza with pickles on it. And nowhere else does that. And she's like, I right, there's a place next door. I'll figure it out. I'll come there. And then they just sort of become this like, what feels like a torrid romance. But if you're in, if we're in Jenny's head, it's just like this weird girl who comes and gives me a pizza and like we hang out for a little bit. I think there's something really fascinating. Again, going back to like 
Magda last time yeah. in Death in Her Hands, in her head, she's the best detective in the room. To the rest of the town, she's a smelly old lady who lives alone and is like kind of going crazy. The relationship, the dynamic between Pizza Girl and Jenny is like one of like forbidden love. I think if it's Jenny, because we found out by the end of the book, spoilers for the end of the book, that she's in a, a loving marriage, that she's in a great, like an idyllic marriage. Like, like, it's the kind of thing that, like, Pizza Girl could have with Billy if she accepted that. She's like, no, I'm, I need to save her from this. Because, like, she only sees a picture of Jenny's husband. And it's like, there's nothing good about that man. Yeah, yeah I, it, it's it's interesting, too, because when we see Jenny and Jenny's frazzled and Jenny is having a hard time dealing with Adam, the child, and Jenny uh, needs to go to the movies on her own mm-hmm. to clear her head and to sort of hit the reset button mom-wise. Her husband's not anywhere. We don't see him at all. He's completely he's completely. We don't know where he's the entire from. time, no. And again, I think this is a trick of the text. While we're possibly judging Jenny for, the, in, in much the way that Jenny is judging herself for being a bad mother, right. it doesn't really occur to us to judge the father, right? To, to go to, to think like, oh, this guy's a shitty dad. But that is entirely pizza girl's job that's what pizza girl does for us right she jumps in and is like she's thinking like what's the deal with this guy Well, because society has basically been like oh he's out earning he's the breadwinner he's allowing her to have this like crazy kind of lifestyle where she doesn't have to work like right. he's doing the noble thing so so again the value here is placed on labor um, yeah not but but unpaid labor is unappreciated the unpaid labor of motherhood is com- is completely unappreciated by uh, the characters of this book which then factors into the end where his job is what shows pizza girl that their marriage is good toward the end of the book jenny says oh we're moving tomorrow and pizza girl because this is her soulmate to a certain extent is like how can they only give you one day to move she's like no we've known for a while <laughs> yeah come on dummy like what you- <laughs> yeah like i i i, I got pizza no i haven't had pizza delivered in a really long time but like the my pizza man would never know if i was moving it no. just wouldn't happen no but also you're not like hanging out with your pizza man and like falling or maybe, i don't know maybe maybe i don't know but uh one time this pizza guy came to my house came to my door this was years ago i was at my parents house and he was delivering pizza it was this kid named uh dan that i went to high school with and he goes he goes hey man what the fuck is up and i was just like why is the pizza man cursing at me was he just excited to see you? I guess so. And then I gave him a 20 for the pizza. Or maybe it was, I think I gave him a 50 for the pizza. And he just tried to walk away. And I was like, Dan, no, 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 Dan. Not all of that money is yours. <laughs> and I had this weird, like, little thing where with this kid from my high school that was trying to steal money from me. Today's crime is petty theft. It's the last time I'm going to tell you to stop trying to guess the crime. <laughs> Jenny's like, we're moving tomorrow. And he's a girl's befuddled. She's like, well, I just wouldn't, like, we're just friends. Like, it, you know, whatever. I didn't did, thought didn't cross my mind like i'm not telling you everything that's going on in my life whatever right also i'm i'm saying i'm a bad mom maybe i'm also a bad friend like maybe i think of myself as a bad friend who, who knows whatever whatever i mean she is a bad friend oh yeah but like i also don't know that she knows that she's being a bad friend right because that's the whole thing like her her friendship if she would even call that i guess she would because they got to dinner they got to diners and stuff right like her friendship with pizza girl is not at all feeling the same itch fulfilling the same need scratching the same itch whatever as Pizza Girl's friendship with Jenny is doing. Like, yes. it's a very imbalanced power dynamic. Well, they go to a... What do they go to? It's like a... It's like Al-Anon, but for, like, m- pregnant... Because there's budget cuts, which is very funny. It's just, like, there used to be one group that was pregnant women and one, like, new moms, but now they just have to be in the same group because <laughs> there's not enough money. Yeah, so, so you have... Which, again, is probably testament to, like, oh, those women can just figure it out. Like, we don't need to spend all that money on 
two different. They're all the same kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a group that um, it's a church that that uh, the narrator is familiar with yeah. through, because of Alanon, right? And because yeah. of which the, is where she met Billy. She met Billy. At, no, not Alanon. It was the dead family members thing okay because billy's parents died right and her dad died and they met there and they fell in love there and then like shortly thereafter she got pregnant okay but they were they went to high school together though right i don't think so okay this Maybe. is something that, this is something that i may have missed i thought that, i thought that they had i'm pretty sure i'm i don't know that it matters one way or the other really right. i'm reasonably confident that they met at this grief thing and that's the same church or the same area or whatever where she had the mom thing okay she moves to Bakersfield, but she's like, here's my new address, which I don't know why she gives the pizza girl her new address. Because she wants her to send her a photo of the baby. Email address. Yeah. Anyway. It's 2011. Not everyone had email back then. <laughs> I did like that she, that pizza girl throws her phone and like, it's like a flip, like it breaks, like I was, you know, I was just picturing like an iPhone or something and then like the battery pops out. I'm like, oh, I guess it could be like an Android. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is a period piece. Why, what, what, what up with that? Well, that's what I asked you and you think, and it's what I would have guessed that is probably when the author, when Jean Kyung Frazier was eighteen or so. Yeah, that's my guess too. Because I think that if I were if I were writing, and I were writing about an eighteen-year-old, I would be recalling my memories from when I was eighteen instead of trying to imagine what an eighteen-year-old right now right. was was like, which is a completely different world right now because yeah. it's everything has kind of changed. And also, the, it, it allows the book to avoid certain. Um, social media traps i guess we have not met, we have not mentioned this in the first episode but you and i with another friend who just had a baby shout out to him uh he and his wife we're rewatching the x-files and there's so many episodes of the x-files are like seinfeld that i'm watching are just like if they had like actual cell phones like none of this would have happened yeah that's just taking place modern day back then but i think there's a reason people set things in the 90s because like they can't figure out like how to get around the modern convenient like trapping some modern convenience well, I, don't think, I don't think any of the essential drama of this changes if you change the time period this book could be taking place in the 1950s um maybe it would actually be more acceptable in the 1950s i think there needs to be i think a lot of the drama in this book needs to come from the fact that she is accessible via cell phone and yeah right but because i think we live in a society now where like why didn't you text me back like why didn't you text me back yeah. And like back then it's like, well, you know, she just was doing other things. I don't know. I don't really remember. But like if it's the 1950s, because so much of the drama here is Billy and the mom being like, we called you. Why Sitting didn't you answer? Couch, yeah. But like otherwise it's just, well, we didn't have a way to get in touch with you. And she's like, oh, no, my car broke down. Like there's like her her shitty excuses are more believable. Yeah. But in 2011, it's like, didn't people still had iPhones in 2011? Yeah. It was still basically the same world that it is now. So what are you, what are you saying about like the social media thing? Oh, then? I think like I if I were in the narrator's position now i feel like they're in a 2021 narrative you would be there would be a lot of like uh instagram stalking and things like that and trying to find that stuff but that may have also i my, my brain has time fever or something i don't i don't understand well like, twitter was around in like 0809 sure was i don't know when but like and instagram was around like 2012 at least if mm-hmm. not earlier again i might just be getting a fact wrong too but it's amazing how quickly you can find like based on like one like a, a first name and like one bit of information yeah you can find people easily anywhere almost i think we maybe went down a hole here that, no but i think i think not... it's interesting because like it is a kind of a quirk of the book yeah as a period piece it doesn't necessarily need to be i don't know let's talk a little bit about her actual job well i want to talk about at the end because we still didn't find out so she's moving because of her husband's jenny is moving because of her husband's job yeah pizza girl thinks of it as she's being forced to move because of the job but she then realizes after she breaks in we'll get to this again it breaks into the new house that she moved for her husband not because of her husband so like the relationships are defined by and measured by jobs and success and career advancement but through the men 
right? Yeah, right. So, but Pizza Girl's job. Go ahead. So she works at a pizza place, obviously, and she has this relationship with her coworker Daryl, who is a gay black man who is in a relationship with a guy named Carl who's treating him poorly. And she has a manager that has one great scene where he's kind of a dick to her, where he's like, you what like you, my office? What do you think of my wallpaper? Yeah. She's like, I like the wallpaper. And he's like, you should, ha- you shouldn't have an opinion about my wallpaper. Next time you have an opinion about next time you see my wallpaper, you're fired. Um, Which is crazy, but also effective. Yeah. Her relationship with Daryl is the sort of primary social relationship in the text that exists outside of her family and outside of Jenny, right? He's the only person that she really talks to, the mm-hmm. only person that she really get, seems to get along with. He is offering to be there for her. He refuses to buy her beer. He seems like a good friend. He tells her... So she's probably, he's probably a little older than her, is what we're led to believe. If, if he can buy beer... Yes, right. So he's at least 21. Does that make him one of the only people in the book who's a bigger fuck-up than she is? Because if he's 21 and working a shitty pizza job and she's 18, like, I don't, like, you know, societally, maybe? Uh, or is that not... Or do you think that's not relevant? Well, I don't think... I mean, I... I don't know if that matters. I don't. Know if that's a yeah, I wouldn't put. I, I wouldn't put it in those terms. I don't think that like. Um, and I. I don't think. I, I don't think that this is what you're you're necessarily saying. But like, I wouldn't define people who are like 21 working at pizza places fuck ups. Right? No, even though she defines herself as that as an 18 year old, especially specifically when former classmates come in. Right. And she doesn't have an answer to any of their questions. Which I felt that. I mean, I was. I was in like 2008, 2009. I was working as a cashier at Rite Aid in my hometown because I had just moved back from Los Angeles and I was just a cashier. Do you want to put context around how old you were because people don't oh, know how yeah. old you are? Um, I, in 2008, I was, um, you do the math. 25? 1983? 25. 2008? 25. I was 25. A, a guy came in who was a, a guy that I knew in high school and he was a police officer and I was just like, oh, and I just like started pouring sweat. I was just like, I can't believe that like people are witnessing me at this job. I thought you going to say because he was going to identify this episode's crime, but... Which I will not guess. Dead also, air. That's also, what you get. There is a guilt where you're like, I'm not going anywhere with my life. But it's also like, you're 25. Like, yeah. you're dumb for a long time. Like, everybody's dumb for a long time. Yeah. I don't think it's a knock. Like, I've never known how to answer the question, like, in a job interview, like, what are you going to be in five years? Like, I have no idea. The world's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I don't know if this is... I've never done it, so I could be completely wrong here. But delivering pizza sounds like a cool job to me. <laughs> I have friends who love doing it in high school. Yeah, it just seems like fun. Like, you drive around. Um, a big component of this book is her listening to her iPod. And the volume at which you listen to her iPod. Yeah. It's either low enough so she can think or loud enough to blot out the world. Which I think sort of defines an era of uh, life, too, right? Like, I'm when I was, like, you know, iPod, headphones in, wandering the streets with the music so loud that I couldn't think straight, like, that really defines an emotional state. That is, I think, probably located to age, chronological age, right? I think it's also a benefit of 2011 because, like, if you – if today, if you throw your phone, there goes your iPod. Yeah. I, I still – I have a 120-gig iPod that I still fuck with. D- Daryl thinks that they're really good friends, right? She's very clear that they're not friends at a certain point toward the end of the book, that he's just, like, a guy that she works with. And it's, it's very painful for him to hear that. Is that still – is that before she gets fired? Because she sees him again at the yeah, grocery no, that's, store. Yeah, no, before, it's before she gets fired. Yeah. Okay. And that's what's interesting about the dynamics of all these relationships is because we're in, like, I never really got the sense that they were, like, super friend. Like, it's just like a work friend. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, like, the same way that we think that Jenny and her are, like, powerful friends. It's like, they're not really because she, Jenny doesn't feel the same way. But, like, we don't really get in Daryl's head at all. Yeah. We know so powerfully little about Daryl. Is it Daryl or is it his boyfriend who has sex with a, a checkout girl? 
at the beginning. Uh, that's Carl. Carl, Carl does. Carl, D- D- Daryl's Daryl's boyfriend. Yeah. So like that's really that's kind of all we know about Daryl. Like outside of the confines of the piece of lace, we don't know Daryl at all. Like she never calls Daryl. I don't think. Right. right. It's just yeah. like he's a work friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's weird. Like because that's something that as you get older becomes more and more important. Because when you get older, friends kind of fade away because mm-hmm. most of them have their own they start families they have jobs that take up an enormous amount of their time they don't have that much time to do things on weekends so like a lot of your, the fucking around that you do is just with like work friends yeah. people that you like sh- spend a lot of time with but not on purpose people that you're forced into this relationship with that you might not even like if you weren't sh- sharing the uh, the same space with but you develop these intense relationships what I think is interesting is that we never get a sense that Pizza Girl's ever had friends at all. That's right, yeah. One way or the other. Like, she might be the most popular girl or not. Like, she knows people from high school. But, yeah. like, everybody knows people from high school. It does kind of feel like maybe she was a bit more of a wallflower because, like, she's like, you know, nothing hurts more than when people come in, they don't recognize me. Well, and she talks about crushes that she had in high school, right, right. that were unreciprocated uh, crushes on girls. Which her sexuality is interesting, too, because it is, like, super fluid, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's attracted to Jenny. Uh, Jenny is married to a man married to a man but Jenny also kisses her back like they they share a kiss yep that it seems pretty intense I think that's something interesting about more modern writing because like in the first like 10 or 15 pages Daryl is defined as a game like he has a boyfriend mm-hmm. and then like his boyfriend had sex with a woman I'm just like wait but like that's just that's just life like that's just normal right yeah like, I think there's something that is very modern and honest about a thing that's probably always been going on but it's just much more acceptable or yeah. whatever, or just more like common. Like that's not a crazy thing. It's just Daryl's attracted to women too. Like he talks about that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So he just, you know, but men are the only one who can ruin his life. That's how we know he's, that's how, <laughs> that's how he knows he's gay. It's, it's because he, yeah, yeah, he finds women beautiful, but men are the only ones who can ruin his life, which is pretty good. Yeah. Can we talk about the one line, speaking of good lines that you and I both loved? Is it the, the bit where she is sharing the kiss with Jenny? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So Jenny doesn't call at work. Pizza girl goes over to her house just to be like, is she okay? And she's done this before. She's gone at like the middle of the night after a night shift and sees Jenny through the window, like rearranging her refrigerator because suburbia, I guess, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next Wednesday, because she always calls on Wednesdays, the next Wednesday she doesn't call. And so she goes over there and sees them getting home. Like she parks outside their house for like 15 minutes or whatever. And she sees them getting home and the sun looks very upset. And she like decides, like, I need to act, I need to help this situation, which is like way out of the bounds of like pizza delivery girl. And then this is when Jenny's like, I need to get out of here, watch him for a while. And they have a good night, seemingly. He even cooks for her. Cooks is a strong word, but he makes food for her, gets food for her. And then Jenny comes home after the son's gone to bed, and then they just have this kiss on the couch. Like not a lot, because again, the, the narrative's not very long, and not a ton goes on, but like this is one of like the big like set pieces kind of right yeah, it's a big moment seconds pass without jenny kissing me back seconds of she hates me she doesn't feel my thoughts a second more and her lips were pressing against mine even harder and i wanted to take her to 7-eleven i'll get the cherry slurpee you get the coke we'll sip and kiss and it'll be fruity soda perfection bask in that lamp store glow you're beautiful and i'll never make you cry you'll pick up every phone call from me on the first ring which is like that's great because she's defining like a good relationship as the thing that she's not doing in her own personal relationship, right? Where she's just ignoring phone calls, ignoring text messages, but she's saying like that wouldn't be a problem with us. You would, and she's not saying I would pick up when you call in the first ring. She's saying you would pick up on my first when I call you on the first ring. Yeah. So she's she's abdicating responsibility on answering the phone to the to the other pe- person in the relationship. 
But I think that's also implying that she would always pick up on the first ring anyway. Maybe, yeah. She just wants that in return. Yeah. But I think there's just something so beautiful and vivid and real and good about such a simple fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, the phone call's a little bit bigger, but, like, let's just go get Slurpees and kiss and, like, taste the Slurpees. Like, that's just, like, some 18-year-old romance shit, right? Yeah, with a with a woman who's 35 to 30 to 40, who probably doesn't see the romance as the same way. She was probably just looking at that kiss as, like tension release from a very difficult day yeah well there's a big ending there's a big ending. there's a crazy big ending that we should talk about that sort of feels a little bit out of character for the book it goes a lot bigger than well i think so i do agree i think that the book does a good job of getting to a point where that could be possible well okay so so maybe before going into that we should talk about uh, from the beginning of the book to the to this ending there is an acceleration of the narrator's self-destructiveness. She starts out by drinking two to three beers a night in a shed in the back of her house, a shed that her father used to drink in when he was still alive. Yes. And then that expands. That she thought was this grand, like, I wonder what's out there, and it's just like a shitty TV in a chair and crushed up beer cans. Yeah. As the book goes on, she's drinking more and more. Yeah. She's stealing swigs of whiskey. She's drinking. Uh, Daryl is pouring Bacardi, pours Bacardi in, in a, a soft drink at work, and she takes a swig of that. And more and more, she's she's getting drunker and drunker throughout throughout the text, uh, to the point where she's now sh- standing outside of uh, shopping plazas, asking people to go in and buy alcohol for her, um, which is a thing that 18-year-olds do all the time, but is a little more... People are a little more judgmental of when you're pregnant, when you're visibly pregnant. What I thought was actually a really nice, honest moment is when the first, like a woman buys it for the first time. She's like, don't, I, I know you have your reasons. Just like, I don't want to hear it. Like, don't, don't try to lie to me. Just like, I get it. Just, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I'll help you out. But like, I don't want to hear your story. Yeah. Probably I've been in a bad circumstance too. And I, it's actually painful to uh, recount a story. Right. Yeah. And when you feel like you need to like make excuses or something, it's like. Yeah, just don't bother. Right. And then that leads, this, like, accelerating self-destruction leads to her taking Billy's gun and driving to Bakersfield, which is where Jenny has moved. Because Billy, so the thing is, like, Billy gets the gun because he seems to have a scumbag friend. Yeah. He's like, you know, whenever I need money, I just go rob an ATM. It's like, wait, what? And so he gives Billy a gun just in case, because he knows that Billy's been having a hard time. I guess Billy's probably, like, it seems like this kind of guy is maybe, like, a Daryl type, where just, like, we just talk about things at work or whatever, and he knows that Billy's going through a tough time, maybe at home or with his girlfriend or whatever. And hey, do it, take a gun. And so she w- comes home early from work, and he's like staring, like kind of taxi driver sort of style <laughs> in the mirror. In the mirror. Yeah. And she's like, "What's going on?" And then she takes the gun and goes. To it's the first. It's the first kind of hint of Billy being like not necessarily the person that we think he is, because uh, like he's doing a whole like yeah, staring at himself in the mirror, holding a gun. Like that's defining him as someone that he is not right. Like holding a gun makes him feel more in control, makes him feel more masculine, makes him feel more like the person that he would have been had he not had to drop out of school and gone down this whole road of landscaping to support a family that he wasn't expecting. Although I do get the sense that he does not like this new person. He's trying it on, right. but he doesn't like it the way yeah, it feels. Yeah, 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 right. But it's like, that might be his future. He might be a guy with a gun yeah. in the future. Um, so she steals this gun from him, drives to Bakersfield. In the middle to, of the night. In the middle of the night, gets drunk drinks the whole way there when she gets there she busts open a bottle of wine drinks that goes into uh their bedroom well she goes into the son's bedroom and like just like checks in on him and like rubs his head like fingers through the hair which is a callback to to earlier when, yep. when he had his head in her lap and she was brushing his hair like that 
She goes in, looks at Jenny and, and her husband, James. Well, because she earlier in the book pictures how they sleep. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he faces right, she faces left, back to back. Like, there's no love there. Yeah. And she walks in and they're like on each other. Spooning, yeah. Asleep. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, oh, shit, I have misjudged this whole thing. So she goes back out to the living room and I think briefly you get the impression that she might shoot herself, right? She points a gun at herself. Yeah. And then just like wants to know what it's like. So she like points it at the ceiling and fires and there's no bullets in there. But it does feel like, oh, there's a lot of tension in this book, but there's nothing in the book that feels even remotely this tense until this thing. There's like a million different things that could go wrong and none of them do. Like she very easily could have left without and never gotten found out. Like, she comes yeah. back downstairs, then breaks open the bottle of wine, sits down, just gets drunk, you know, waving the gun around. But she could have left and gone back home, and, like, nothing would have happened. But instead, she, like, maybe contemplates suicide, and then just is going to fire in the house where there's no bullets, and then just, like, falls asleep and gets... It wakes up as they're, she's getting thrown out of the house. Yeah. So we have, like, uh, a, a thing that, in a, in a worse book, I think could feel like a sort of artificially violent or tense ending. But it, it works in this book because, like I said, this, the self-destruction is slowly cranked up. Well, what I think is interesting about the way that this ends, too, is this ends the narrative. Then there's like a 30-page or something epilogue. But, like, this is the end of the story, which I think is a very kind of interesting way to end it. And there's like a good chunk, you know, like 10 or 15% of the book left. That's just what happens next. But yeah. Why have an epilogue instead of, instead of a final chapter? I don't know. But it doesn't even wrap up the story with jenny because she meets jenny again she sees jenny again jenny follows her again which is where we in the parking lot she says hey pizza girl pizza girl says do you even know my name and that's when the she's finally named yeah and she's named as their relationship is severed Mm -hmm. so she sort of gains her humanity from no longer being pizza girl she she has a name right and they joke about they even joke about names about like maybe i'll name my daughter this maybe like your name and maybe i'll name name my daughter your name or whatever and they're like that's weird like we don't don't <laughs> don't do that yeah don't do that they throw uh her mother uh pizza girl's mother a party and it's revealed during this that pizza girl's mother is uh turning 37 which is ha- how old i am right now and so when i was reading it i was like I felt like someone had punched me in the sternum or something because uh, it was just like, oh, shit, like this is like how young this character is, mm-hmm. that she's the daughter of someone my age who, yeah, had that had her when she was very young, obviously. But it's still like like the idea that I would be the grandfather of a newborn. Yeah. Of, of Pizza Girl's daughter is like put into perspective how how young all of these characters are and how young how daunting it is for an 18 year old to have a baby i think it's another trick maybe that the narrative plays because like we think of just what a mom is and she's like a good mom like she's a very loving doting mom she could be like jenny's older than her jenny turns 39 or she's about to turn 39 right so like yeah she's essentially not directly but to an extent like falling in love with her mom or at least a woman her mom's age living what is both a very similar but also seemingly radically different lifestyle and maybe i don't know if that's just the american versus immigrant or if it's just single parent versus in a marriage being supported i don't know what it is but it feels like their lives diverged in many different ways but they are to a certain extent also still the same person kind of when you say they are you talking about uh, jenny girl and the mom and jenny and the mom jenny and the mom yeah not pizza girl and the mom i think they're both they're all they're all similar in right. certain ways so, certain so in, in some ways it feels like her wanting to run away to jenny's arms is running away to a very similar life to the life that she has now yes 
It's just that it doesn't it doesn't feel that way because the grass is always greener. Right. Right. Because I don't I don't know that there's any situation she could be in that would be more supportive than the one she's currently in. I, mean, I don't think there's anything even close. It's just a matter of she feels trapped because she probably doesn't want to be pregnant at 18 or doesn't want to be anything at 18, right? She just wants to, like... And she's trapped by everyone else being psyched. Because, yeah. like, everyone else being as psyched as they are means that she also has to feel psyched. Because if you're 18 and you are and you get pregnant and everyone is support so supportive of you, they're like, yeah, that's so great that you're pregnant. Probably somewhere in your head you're thinking... Why aren't they lamenting my lost future? Don't they think that I had potential? Don't they think that I could have gone and done all of these other things if I hadn't gotten pregnant? Which isn't to say that you can't do those things if you do get pregnant. Obviously, you can. I think that our our narrator's problem is partially with that. She doesn't like everyone being so psyched. Because one of the things that really endears her to Jenny outside of the ponytail is that when Jenny asks her if she's excited about her pregnancy... And the narrator kind of balks at it. Jenny immediately is like, "Good, good, yeah, you shouldn't be excited. It's not like, or not that she, you, you she clarifies. She's like, it's okay that you're not excited. Yeah, yeah, feel how you feel. Yeah, you're you, you like, don't let everyone else dictate how you're supposed to feel about these things. Because I think Jenny is both the woman she loves, but also the mom she wishes she had. Yeah, which sucks because her own mom is actually really good and cool and nice. Jenny is exactly the one like." let's take you out of school, let's go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Also the one who abandons you to go see a movie. And the mom, Pizza Girl's mom, Kayla Chun-Hee, is like, no, I'm always going to be there for you. Like, I'm never going to not be there, which is going to be a problem because you want me to not be there sometimes. <laughs> right, yeah. Although it is fun that, like, she also gets to act like a teenager. Like, when, when there's the 40-page chunk or whatever where they're not really speaking, like, around the birthday party, and she's like, the mom just goes to a room and just blasts music like a moody <laughs> teenager, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, totally. She wanted me to know that I was home. She was home and ignoring me. My mom did that shit too. Just like go to her room and play Leonard Cohen really loudly. Hell yeah! Anything else about this? You want to talk about casting? I think we're good. What do you, I, I want to hear your casting because I largely came up blank on this one. So what I think? So I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia trying to find young Asian actresses because specifically I, Korean American actresses. I was looking specifically Korean, and I found one that's not. I I didn't cast a Korean, but I literally looked. There's a category in Wikipedia, and maybe this is. Maybe I'm spending too much time here. American actresses of Korean descent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's like 60. But like we were talking before, like before we started recording, you mentioned that Charlene Yee is a great choice, but she's also 38 years old or whatever. Yeah, she's the mom. She's essentially the mom's age. Like she would be my number one choice, largely because... Her persona is that awkward girl. I, I think she has the chops for it. And because we haven't really seen her... I think she's funny in the same way that Pizza Girl is funny, right? She could do the jokes. Because this is, a again, like Death in Her Hands, in spite of the heavy subject matter, there's yeah. a lot of really funny stuff in this book. And I think Charlene Yee could do that. But I would also love to see Charlene Yee, like do something that was dramatic. Of heft. Yeah. The person I wound up thinking about, because I feel like this is the kind of movie, if done, I don't want to say if done right, but in a, if done in the way that I'm sort of picturing it, is kind of a transition from, like, it's not a story for young like it's not like a YA story but it's also not like exclusively an adult story I feel like this is kind of a story that could kind of straddle both generations sort of and the the actress that I settled on was Lana Condor do you know Lana Condor? no she's the lead in To All the Boys I Love Before that trilogy so she's Vietnamese um, she's 24 but she plays in those book, those movies which are based on a series of books she plays a Korean girl mm-hmm. and those are Netflix rom-com 
And she's, I think she's good in those movies, but I also feel like just the type of movies that those are, she's not able to really kind of flex her thing. So I feel like this is the kind of thing to go and not like, you know, Vanessa Hudgens or whoever going from like Disney to Spring Breakers, but kind of like that halfway point where it's like, you've been a leading actor in something. Let's get you to be like a little bit more adult in a way that like isn't provocative, but like has impact as opposed to just like my high school boyfriend might not love me or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I think that she would be good. Okay. I would cast her in this because I'm interested to see what that actress does with the next thing that's not like a YA story. Yeah, sure. If that, if that makes sense. I would, uh, no, give her a, I would give her a chance on whatever this is. Absolutely. Because you need essentially like someone is, that is the age or at least looks the age that like Elliot Page was when... In Juno. Did Juno. Yeah. Which is like legitimately someone who looks 16. Right. 17, 18, whatever. And all the actors that I that I found were like... You know, Charlene was my, but then like Aquafina was another one. I had Aquafina, who, and Greta Lee too. It's just, it's, it's. Tough. But they're all in their thirties, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, they would be more suited for the mom role. But because of the way that we view them, and they're still playing like twenty-something-year-olds in Hollywood, they're not like playing mom, uh, moms in movies yet. Uh, no, they're, they're playing like they're playing pizza girl in ten years. Yeah, they're playing someone who can't get their life together. Yeah, because they're still like they look young and they're cute and they're funny and they're frazzled, mm-hmm. but they're not fifty. Yeah, but so like when we think of when we cast moms in movies, we cast fifty-year-olds because everyone in Hollywood looks like they're fifteen to twenty years younger than they actually right. are anyway. So it'd be weird if we were like, like for the mom, it's like the first person that I thought of was like, oh, Sandra O, oh. and then it's like Sandra O oh is like fifty years old. Part of this has to be someone who is young because part of this is right. being, again, maybe the wrong word choice, but being trapped in a life that you maybe didn't choose. You have to you have to signify youth, not only in Pizza Girl, but in Pizza Girl's mom, yeah. so that you can see how young it is to be a grandmother. So maybe maybe you do cast a Charlene Yee or somebody. I mean, someone like Jamie Chung could do it, too. Which uh Jamie Chung was... Uh, she's done a lot of small stuff. She was on the Real World San Diego. Um, <laughs> no, but she she is. I mean, she's an okay. actor. She's in she's in like uh, that bike riding movie with Joseph Gordon Levitt. Premium Rush. Yeah. Okay. Um, she's in a number of of things. She's she's a, a pretty good actor. Well, I think this is also just highlighting the fact that like actresses in Hollywood have an unattainable standard both ways, right? You have to remain young for forever, and then when you hit a certain age, you're too old to play anything. And, and also, like when I think of grandma, I think of like my grandma who was born in like. 1910. So, like, I don't think of, like, people my age being grandparents, you know? Because, like, my grandma was in her 80s when I was a child. It just, like, seems, like, grandma for me seems like something different than what's in this book. So the idea of casting someone like Charlene Yee as a mother who's about to become a grandmother feels um, very strange. Who 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 else? Who uh, like uh, for Je- I think I said this before. I think a lot of actresses could play Jenny. I had in my mind Betty Gilpin. Okay, yeah, that's a good that's a good casting. Yeah, because I think it's it's sort of like what Liberty Bell is on Glow. It's like the mom who doesn't necessarily like want to be a mom, but is a mom and also is a good mom, mm-hmm. but also wants to be more than just a mom. And just like I I can see her like because she's beautiful, but I've also seen her on TV where she's like no makeup or you know tv makeup to show no makeup but like hair not done and like baby vomit on a shirt right it's just like i i can see her in that and i think she can do both yeah that's great that's great casting thank you i i kept thinking of connie Britton. well it's because you were watching friday night Lights. yeah i do think rewatching, and, and she's such a great actor but she is probably a little too old right because how old is she like 50 i have no idea i mean she'd be great 
Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a tough. Like, because the other thing that we said this before, when we were talking about the casting before I started recording, was that Jenny is turning thirty nine, but she's like, you couldn't, you probably couldn't tell, and like, Pizza Girl lies to her. She's like, no, I would have guessed. Like yeah. in her head, she's like, she would, like, I would, I would thought you were like forty five or fifty. Like it just, you don't look thirty nine. Right. I mean, it could be like Charlize Theron would be all right, but she's maybe Charlize Theron is distractingly beautiful. Yeah. I think a lot of the time. And I don't want to undersell the casting of it or whatever, but like I think Jenny has to ha- just play like manic pixie dream girl. Kind of, yeah, because that because it's from a first person perspective of someone who looks at her as the someone that's going to break her out of the prison of her life, right? So she has to be like a thirty something or maybe early forty something hot but not too hot actress who also can play like homely. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people could do that. Yeah, I do too. Do you have a director in mind? Person that came to mind was Greg Matola for some reason, but I think Is that, that the that, TV guy. That's uh, he did like Adventureland. Okay, but I kind of want someone that can do like uh, shoot LA really beautifully. I mean, LA is the most filmed city. Of, yeah. of all time. Have you seen Los Angeles plays itself? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. And so I was trying to think of directors that have like a real sense of geography and of David Robert Mitchell. Yeah, he doesn't. He I don't know if he would do a type of movie like this though. I wanted to pick a female director for this because I feel like it's such a female yeah, yeah, story yeah, sure. that the first person that came on my mind and I don't know if, I don't know if she would and I don't know if I think it'd be good because I think she's a very talented director but I had Olivia Wilde. Yeah, that's good because of because of Booksmart, right? Because of Booksmart, and I also feel like whatever her new one is, Daddy's or something. I don't know. Whatever the one she, that she fired Chaya from, uh, I feel like it's like a kind of a more adult. But like Booksmart is that kind of thing. And I also had another sort of back of one. There is a movie. Have you seen Never Going Back? Yeah. Directed by Augustine Frizzell, who's doing a new movie that's a Netflix movie that's coming out this year called Last Letter from Your Lover with Felicity Jones and Shailene Woodley. And I feel like Never Going Back is that perfect kind of like raunchy girls who have to act older than they want to because just like life is like you have to get your shit together or whatever and i feel like it's the kind of thing like maybe it's too wrong like i don't know i'm i'm interested because i she only made the one movie so i don't know what her style is like to that measure andrea arnold would be interesting too sure. because she has a real there's a lot i gotta uh, see fish tank still th- there's there's a lot of this book that is again like kind of internal like the last book where it's just like she's driving around and she's thinking of whatever listening to music and so like i don't know if you have you like been to student film festivals or anything like that not really no so the shittiest thing in every student film is long stretches of characters driving while listening to music sure but it's because they don't know what they're doing it's just like they're usually like listening jazz or and it's just like it's terrible but that can be done really well yeah when it's when it's done well Andrea Arnold, I think, is really good at that sort of thing, at, like, landscaping a movie. And especially, she's especially good with very young actors and mm-hmm. unknowns, which I think I would cast mostly unknowns in, the, in this in this movie, yeah. except for the adults, adults, quote-unquote. The 30-year-olds. The 30-year-olds, yeah. I think it's interesting to hear you compare this in the filming of it to Death and Rands, because I felt like this is a much easier film to adapt, or a book to adapt into a film I feel, like, sure. I feel like there's a lot more conversations, there's a lot more spoken as opposed to internalized. Even the stuff that's not spoken, that is in her head, just seeing a pregnant girl drinking beer in a shed is like, it's just so provocative. You, you, yeah. you don't even know what she's thinking to know what she's thinking, right? Yeah. So anybody else you cast or no? I don't think I did. Did I? Yeah, I don't think so either. It's it's a very it's a very small... Uh... Oh, I the cat from Captain Marvel. Got to keep that streak going. Okay. They get the cat. Remember, Billy has the cat. Flurgan? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I had the dog from, I had Vincent from Lost. That's right, yeah. I only wrote that down because it annoyed you last time. So mm-hmm, I was just like, sure. we're going to keep it going. If you want to be a part of our, I hope you are a part of our book club. I mean, you're listening. You're already part of it. 
to a certain extent. But if you want to contribute to the book club, we have an email address, lottery at cageclub.me. Send in your thoughts. You have in your podcast description in at cageclub.me slash lottery a full list of all the books that we're covering this season. So read in any order you want. Email in lottery at cageclub.me. We'll read it on air. We got another email today from Egg. You're from Egg. Your friend Egg. Our friend Egg. Our friend Egg. Will I ever meet Egg, do you think? Probably not. All right. Meg's, <laughs> Meg's reaction to Pizza Girl. I was surprised how much I liked this book. I finished it much quicker than Death in Her Hands, because Egg also wrote in last time. Thank you, Egg, for being our number one emailer. I felt this book really captured the NUI. On Ennui. Oh! You illiterate fuck. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. Uh, that's a word. Like, I thought, I know that word, and I've seen this word. I did not know that they were the same word. Yeah. <laughs> I felt this book really captured the ennui of life after school. God damn it. I'm, I'm dumb, but that's okay. It's fine. <laughs> There's a part of me that wanted a, quote, happier ending, but the ending we got was more, quote, real, I think. One thing I do want to mention is that I feel like this book is unique in how it tells the story of a second-generation immigrant. She's not berated for getting pregnant. She's not pushed into a career. She's given the opportunity to do nothing. The book pushes back against the, quote, perfect Asian stereotype, in a way that's refreshing and makes all the characters feel more real and rounded, which I think is a very astute point. Yeah, that's that's a great point. There's actually very little about ethnicity in this yeah. text beyond, you know, there's there's some, but it, it, it doesn't play a, a major role, um, or maybe it does. I don't. It's one of those things where I'm not I'm not sure the full context of being Asian or being a woman in the story. Right, where yeah. it's like it's hard. Like I can I appreciate that there is meaning there, but I don't know. Yeah, I would be curious to to hear the opinion of someone with the life circumstance of Pizza Girl, like someone who was a second generation Korean American, and see like if this book really hits for for them. But I yeah, I, I agree that it doesn't it does not fall into any sort of model minority uh stereotyping. Probably and pr- honestly probably that's because I don't know that much about the life of the author, but I think it I think uh Jin Kyung Fraser is Korean American certainly. So she's probably just writing from a g- generalized experience. Cuz what I think is also interesting to this point is there's the line in here before I thought about how mom's first name was Chun Hee, although the minute she stepped off that plane and her feet first touched American soil, she told everyone to call her Kayla. For sure. And I don't think that's the experience of every immigrant. Like, I think there's a certain, like, either you don't want to come here for a certain reason or whatever, or like, I want to keep the old me here. But it seems like the mom is so accepting of her becoming pregnant because she's like, we're American, baby. Like, this is what we do now. Yeah, I think that that's the, the experience that I've had with, I've known a number of second generation Asian Americans and a lot of them are named like Barbara and things like that like super like not only American names but American quote-unquote American like like oldish American names like names from like the 1950s that were popular back then sure because that embodies a Americanness or whatever oh and then egg also emails she she closes it out for the record I would 100% try pepperoni and pickle pizza if I wasn't vegetarian yeah well uh, Joey tried that today how was it it was good yeah. It adds like a, a lightness. I had a, a kosher dill spear that I diced up and put on our meat lovers pizza. I, I refused to put the the pickle on the pizza, but I broke the edge and ate pork today, which uh, I, I don't normally do. I'm corrupting you. But I'm interested in in, in Meg saying um, that she wished that it had a happier ending because I don't. What does a happier ending for this book look like? Then then she how winds ended. up with Jenny. That doesn't feel like a happy ending. Yeah, like the, a, a really interesting part of the end is when she's like. I wish I could tell you that I stopped drinking. 
but I didn't. I drink a little bit less, yeah. and I, I, I'll i buy a six-pack, and I'll drink three, and then throw the other three out. And it's like this idea of like forward progression, limiting yourself uh, via alcohol. Although, like, if we're being realistic, that where, where the, bo- the book ends where it does, it is... The chances of that baby not having fetal alcohol syndrome are pretty, pretty slim, right? Well, they even go to the doctor. Like, they go to a doctor in here, yeah. and he's just like, you need to stop what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. this is bad. Like, it's explicitly laid out. And whether that's, you know, the author, like, wanted to clear up, like, hey, this is, in case you didn't realize by now, it's a bad idea, you know, like having, a, like, a voice of authority. But it's like, yeah, like, don't do this. So what does the Wayne's World super, super ultra happy ending well, I think like. I think this is close to it because I think in a sadder ending, Billy leaves. The mom kicks her out, right? The saddest ending has her killing herself on, on the couch. Jenny's couch, yeah. which is like for a second I was I was terrified of that. I was, I was like, don't end the book that way. That would be infuriating. So I think we're at, we, we're as close to a happy ending as this book gets because like, it's like yeah, what what would be happier? She stops drinking. Well, if you end the book with her having the baby and the baby's healthy, right? That's the hap- That's like the happy happy ending. And then the ultra sad ending is suicide on the couch. And then the the medium ending is sort of what we have, where she's like, I'm not okay. She wants to get better, but she's still but human. But I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. Which is like, the, I mean, what is life if not that? If not just being like, I'm going to try to get better all, yeah. the, all the time. Thank you, Egg. If you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me. We're also at lotterypod on Twitter patreon.com slash lottery pod if you want some nice perks episodes early voting rights and there's one other thing what was the other thing uh i'll give you my home phone number whoa (laughs) you can have my home phone number i'll counsel you on uh relationship problems uh i can do very basic algebra i can uh that's really where my skills end um, so anyway, yeah, if, if you want to call me, um, just join the Patreon and you can call me and I'll uh, talk you through it. Yeah, it's one tier, five bucks a month and you get everything. Also, we got Audible if you want to support Amazon and you want to get some free audiobooks and we get a kickback or something. How does that work? Is there a, a code? So if you go to cageclub.me slash lottery or if you go to the link tree on our Twitter page or whatever, you can find our page. There is a banner ad on the cageclub.me homepage, the hub for this podcast. You click on that. It brings you to this thing. It says you can do like the cheap one or the more expensive one. Like the one is kind of like a Netflix all you can eat, but you don't get to keep things. I don't think it has everything. And then there's the one that's like you get one book a month or whatever for a little bit more money or whatever. I don't know. You click you click a picture on cageclub.me. So I'd encourage you to um, get the audio audible for one month for a free book and then cancel after the one month. And if you're a Prime member, you get three free books. So. Yeah. So just grab the next couple. I would say grab Duck's Newburyport, which is a, a book from later on in the cycle. It's a, over a thousand pages. But if you listen to it while you're driving around, it'll go a lot quicker. We're, we're still recording these before any have come out. When we release to national acclaim and the email bag fills up, what I'm saying is get some books toward the end of this season because those will be the ones that you'll be able to listen to and email in before we record those episodes. Yeah. Or just do whatever you want. Yeah, you can. There's good books on there. Get some of those big William Gaddis books or something like that. Those or get get the Power Broker by Robert Moses, which is like seventy hours. Wow, really? Yeah, it's a big one. Also, if you didn't listen to our Death in Her Hands episode or you read that book after you, we talked about it, which why would you do that? Why'd you spoil that? But whatever, you can still write in about that. We'll read that on the next one too, for sure. Full season one reading list in the description for here and at cageclub.me/lottery. Bob, until next time, keep reading. 
Uh, today's crime is shoplifting.